0: Beginning the track, a fifty-two episode introduction to Star Trek. Did we have a start? Oh, we need the start, start. There's got to be a start somewhere in there. What we should have is, "Hi, I'm Andy," you know, "I'm," or "Hi, Andy," "Hi, just," "Hi, Jessica." Hi,
1: Andy.
0: You have now seen two episodes of Star Trek.
1: Yes, and I really liked the first one.
0: And you really liked the Corbill Maneuver, and now we are about to watch uh, A Taste of Armageddon.
1: We're going to talk A Taste of Armageddon. It's going to be great. If you haven't seen A Taste of Armageddon, go watch it, turn this off, and then come right back, because then it will be fresh in your brain.
0: The, The original series, Star Trek original series episode, A Taste of Armageddon. All right, let's do that synopsis.
1: For The Taste of Armageddon, I've actually got it down to 10 legitimate sentences. So, Oh, yeah. you've already written 10 sentences down. I am ready to do this for The Taste of Armageddon. All right, go for it. Let's hear it. Okay, the Enterprise is ordered to shuttle an upset ambassador who is headed to Miniar 7 on a diplomatic mission. When they get there, the ship is warned away, but of course nobody cares, and Kirk and Spock beam down to the planet anyway. They're shown around by Maya 3 who has a cute little outfit and tells them that MNR-7 has been at war with a uh, neighboring planet, Vindicar, for like 500 years. She takes them to the council and they meet Anon-7, who politely informs them that uh, after a scuffle where Spock and uh, Captain Kirk can't tell that anything has happened, but they're now dead... Sarcastic quote fingers from a simulated battle hit, and they're going to be held until they voluntarily walk into a disintegration chamber. And Kirk's like, Oh hell no. And Anon7 pretends to be Kirk and tells Scotty to lower the shields. Scotty doesn't believe the fakeness. And somewhere in there, the ambassador huffily beams down and is also taken prisoner because he's also marked for death. And Kirk and Spock manage to escape and they get to the council chambers. They destroy the computers that are simulating the war. And Kirk tells the council members that they've made this war too easy for themselves and that when they experience the horrors, they'll finally make peace. And then the ambassador volunteers to stay behind and negotiate a peace because he's super good at keeping a calm head and not rubbing people the wrong way. And you didn't interrupt any of that.
0: I The only thing that I can add to that brilliant synopsis <laughs> is that the ambassador's name is Fox. Um, but apart from that, wow, that was, you got the names of the planets, right? You got the names of, of, of the characters. Uh, you, uh, you nailed it.
1: So, well, to be fair, I did write that one down because I was like, we need, I need to be at least a little bit more professional (laughs) because I realized in listening to, uh, just the past one that we did, uh, I gotta, I gotta know my stuff a little bit too.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what? I think I do too. All right. I accept that challenge, Uh, the 10-sentence challenge. Yeah. So um, maybe we'll switch off doing these synopses. Yeah. And uh, you wrote down, literally you wrote down 10 sentences. We'll have to figure out what to do if we get to a two-parter.
1: Like Then you get 20, right? How did we start the last time? We just started talking, right?
0: We did. Um, did you like that? Yeah. What you said was, it was so great. I loved what you said was, let's talk episode. Okay. Yeah.
1: So let's talk episode. Let's talk a taste of Armageddon.
0: Let's talk a taste of Armageddon. So Jessica, tell me what you saw.
1: Uh, this one was exceptionally cerebral to me. Almost overly so. I have a hard time believing that when they get there, they're warned away because this civilization has been at war with another planet for more than 500 years, but they're so moral about it that they don't want anybody else to get involved. And then it goes on to show that the people who are theoretically getting killed in these simulated War games actually just volunteer themselves to go into a disintegration chamber. And I found that just incredibly unlike, not just unlikely, just really a little bit jumped the shark was how I found that. However, on the flip side, I really, really enjoyed the thought exercise. And I can see how other people who want a shoot 'em up action thing, this this one's not going to be that at all.
0: Yeah, it's it, this is definitely uh, it's it's not that. In fact, there are moments of action, um, but it, apart from the big fight scene with Kirk and the two and the two guards, right? Um, most of the action happens pretty quickly, um, which makes perfect sense for this this very orderly society of people that, you know, they they just do what they're told. Um, it's interesting that, that so, so let me start with, you're having a hard time believing. Yes. These, the motivation. Um, so I'm watching the episodes right along with you. Okay. Uh, but of course, I've seen this many, many times. Sure. What I got newly in this episode, and maybe it's just a comment on the times that we, that we live in right now, um, but I saw... In Anon Seven, in The Leader of the High Council from Aminiar, when he was arguing with Kirk about how escalation is automatic. Mm-hmm. And it's it, there was no, there, like he couldn't, he was so blinded to the possibility that there could be something other than war. War is just the way it is. It's been that way his whole life. Mm-hmm. It's been that way his, his father's whole life, his father's before him and before him and before for 500 years, right? right. So, so how many generations to the point where life just is this? This is just the way it is, mm-hmm. where they couldn't even see the possibility of peace. And they were arguing so vehemently for what they wanted. And I thought about to, where we are today and that there are some people there are in, in all parts of the world where I live, where you live, where people that might be listening to this live, anywhere you look, there are people out there that are so committed to whatever their way of life is that they can't see alternatives. And in some cases, it's the same exact thing. They're so committed to their need to perpetuate the status quo that they can't see the possibility of peace they can only see the possibility of violence or, if not war, um, aggression.
1: But if you think about it, that's actually, and this is why I was like, as a thought exercise, this is amazing. I don't know if it quite translates for me as the TV show. But if you get so caught in that idea of this is, you're forever going to have war. And I don't think it's wrong. Look at just the human race right now. There's always war. There are I don't see a time when we're just going to suddenly be peaceful. Even Kirk was the first, it wasn't his first option necessarily, but he fought. That's exactly what you do. You cornered me. I fought. You fought back. That's the basis for everything. Mm -hmm. So to have two civilizations that are so agreed that, okay, war is bad and it's never going to stop. How do we make it? as easy and painless as possible. Well, they figured it out. You'll lose your actual life, but they both agreed to the the most civilized way to go about it. They never lose any architecture. They never lose any poetry. They never lose the lifestyle. Yeah. They just lose their lives. If you don't hold your life as an individual above everything else, the way we tend to do as humans, that's really smart in a horrifying kind of way. <laughs> well, then the
0: question that I have for you is, did Captain Kirk do the right thing?
1: I I think it's completely dependent on if the peace talks worked or not. Because they left that up like, oh, of course they're going to work. And Captain Kirk saying, well, the only difference is... At the very end, he says, you know, the only difference is people were already dying anyway. If they're going to die, it'll be dirtier, essentially. But he didn't, even if it turned into a real war, he didn't make anything worse, technically.
0: That's his argument.
1: That was, that was essentially his argument.
0: Yeah. What I did was I showed them what war is all about, is kind of his argument.
1: Yeah, I wrote down his exact line was, I've given you back the horrors of war. Which, in his mind, that should push you to peace. But if you're looking at history, it never does. So, I don't know. I'd be really curious, like, if you're going to say, was he right or was he wrong? Because this is, this is, I want to know if the writers were exposed to physician-assisted suicide or any kind of euthanasia. Because, it sounds like they're writing a opinion paper where you can't figure out which side they're on. Yes, war should be horrific. It should be so horrific that nobody ever does it again. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, we're never going to stop doing it, so why don't we make it as good as possible? And I can't figure it out. I, I don't know.
0: If the peace talks that we never get to see right. are successful do the ends justify the means of what Kirk did? You know, certainly you can say he was a bit of a hero if peace results. On the other hand, what if Vendicar, the other planet, you know, they got their bombs all ready to go. And the minute that the the computer goes, you know, or what if it was an automated system? They never really said that it wasn't. Um, so what if it was automatic when he said, right. when, when a non seven says escalation is automatic, he could mean, no, it's automatic. We don't it's have, literal. we don't have any way to stop it. So we have to keep doing this. I mean, that may have been, wow, I'm, I'm actually thinking of that in this moment. Um, is that it may literally be, no, we, if we don't do it this way, we get the actual thing and we don't want that. Um, that wasn't really clear to me now that I think in those terms. I, I, You know, I mean, you can't cover every base. Sure. You can't cover every base in in writing a 52-minute television episode.
1: This one was clearly left up in the air, but given the suggestion that, of course, they're going to go after peace. Because any society, like the the society we saw, their exact other is exactly like them. So if they're scared and able to turn to peace than you would assume that the other one would because he even says something oh i trying to remember but he says something like just as much as we value not the destruction or not having you destroy our stuff we don't want to destroy their stuff either Mm -hmm. but it's war so the people have to die like he values their art and architecture and all of that just as much as he values his own there's no hate in this war. That's what's weird. There's no hate in this war.
0: And there doesn't seem to be any reason for this war.
1: Right. They never go back to
0: it. They never talk about it. And and you don't even get that stock answer of, oh, who knows anymore? Why? Yeah. You know, you don't even get that. It's just the way it is for these people, um, which which... I even noticed this with Anon, with Anon7. So Kirk breaks in to, to Anon7's chambers and says, Where are my communicators? Puts the, puts the disruptor right in his chest. Uh, he does all that stuff. Anon never moves his hands, he is so docile through the whole thing, he talks and talks and talks. And it's always with a very calm. It was a great, it was a great performance because that's just not who he is. And then they get out into the hallway and Kirk, you know, throws him first into the first guard, which of course, Kirk knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fight starts and there's a non seven. And I swear it looked like Catwoman from the original Batman TV series standing in the corner Watching the henchmen fight. (laughs) Because he stands in the corner watching the henchmen fight and never moves. And these guards are the worst guards in the world. Are they not the worst guards in the world?
1: Yes, I... I think I I said they have a pointy hat and no weapons.
0: They have a pointy hat and they have weapons. Well, yeah,
1: they're just in like a basket that they're holding around or something. I don't remember. Right, they never use them. They're like in a holster. But if if your idea of war is I'll go peacefully into that great disintegration chamber, (laughs) uh, then you wouldn't be good at hand-to-hand combat. That's not how you're going to die.
0: Exactly. That makes perfect sense that they'd be like that. I mean, they're not guards. They're more like escorts with yeah. with sidearms, yeah. you know, telling people where to go who do what they're told.
1: I did make this interesting comparison in my head. What they did with war is a little bit what we as humans have done with food in developed countries, at least, is we've made it so that you never, ever have to hunt or touch blood or see the animal's face you don't have to really I don't have to go and dig up and get dirty to get my carrots uh it's so pristine and sterile and yet it's something that's everyday. and maybe it really ought to be more dirty and more horrific and you should have to go through those things if you want to eat something that this world has provided to you I think that I am going to have at least one line from every episode that Spock says that hits me in the gut. And in this one, it was, I do not approve. I said I understand. When they first hear and understand that it's a computer simulated war game, and that's what he says. He's like, I'm so glad you approve. And he says, I do not approve. I understand. Mm -hmm. And that one was... I noticed that was something he said in the last episode too. So I have a feeling I'm I like Spock. <laughs> he's he's as commandery as the commander, <laughs> and that's kind of impressive. Because Scotty, when Scotty takes over, okay, so Captain Kirk leaves to go down to the planet with
0: yes, with Spock, with
1: Spock, and mm-hmm. at that point in my mind, just kind of thinking, I wonder who it goes, who it falls to, in the command chain. Because there is a little bit of a scuffle between the ambassador and Scotty. Yes. On this episode. And it kind of just seems to be, from my whole two episodes, from my understanding of this, whoever's standing behind him is who gets to take command of the Enterprise? Not quite. Okay.
0: Not quite. There is there is a command structure. Um, and uh, you don't really... Uh, God, do I want to talk to you about rank insignia so that you can see it?
1: Sure, talk to me about rank insignia.
0: You'll notice it on the next episode. Oh, okay. So, if you look on the sleeves of the of the crewmen, you will see little gold braids that go right around their wrist. And the more gold braids and the more solid gold braids, the higher your rank without getting into all of them. So the captain's got the most of them and the lieutenant, the commander who would be Spock has the second most and then lieutenants and ensigns. And you know, it goes down the list. Um, but he very clearly put Scotty in charge. Um, and Scotty will be in charge often of the ship uh there's a little bit more structure in place in later television series okay they are a little bit smarter with how who goes down on the landing parties and do you really want to send the captain down to the dangerous planet every time but hey he's captain kirk if he wants if he wants to go to the planet he's going to the planet
1: How else do you get the TV series if you don't send the commander down?
0: And he often wants to go to the planet. So that's just, that's, yeah, get used to that. He likes, he likes hanging out down on the planet, meeting the people.
1: Speaking of rank, I think I've been lied to for pretty much all of my life. Oh! I keep hearing these mysteries that red shirts everywhere they go they just drop dead like flies. Ah! Zero red shirts died. Hmm.
0: No red shirts died. Nobody died in this Nobody episode died. except for the people that stepped into the
1: right. Oh, and the one that Spock did the little grip thingy too. Or is that?
0: Let's talk about that. Yeah. I so that's new yes. for you.
1: And the telepathy too. I made notes. And that's yes. new
0: for you too. He's so psychic. we'll talk about those. Yes. Spock is a really interesting character and has a couple of abilities. So we'll talk about those. Um That guy did not die. Oh, okay. That cool. guy was just knocked unconscious. So Okay. Um, that is something called the Vulcan Nerve Pinch. It's actually kind of in the zeitgeist. People may have heard of it that still haven't watched Star Trek. But when we talk about the Nerve Pinch, that's what it looks like. Now- do people
1: at cons go around doing this to each other? And if it gets done to you, you immediately have to fall over.
0: Not at the last con that I went to, but i've <laughs> I've seen I've seen that
1: because that just uh, sounds like good fun.
0: <laughs> the Vulcan nerve pinch was an idea that's that Leonard Nimoy came up with during the filming of an episode that we're we're not going to watch. I love this episode. I love if you get that. I love them all. Really. They're all my babies.
1: They're all your babies. Yes. So
0: I, I love this episode. It's an episode called The Enemy Within. And in that episode, at one point, um, Spock needs to subdue Kirk. There's a fight scene that was originally written. And Leonard Nimoy said, you know, I don't think this is what Spock would do. Spock's not going to get into a heavy-duty fight. He would have, like, some move. And so he and William Shatner work this thing out. And when it happens Mm -hmm. and Spock steps up behind Kirk and does that nerve pinch, what sells it is the expression on Kirk's face. William Shatner gives this expression of something horrible has just happened to me and then he just collapses. And it's so well done. It's it, it's worth going to watch. The enemy within is the name of the episode. It's a first season, uh, uh, original series episode. Happens very early on, and it's a lot of fun.
1: Is that that's not something you can teach? You couldn't. It's not finger placement and human muscles. It's an innate ability to just Spock or all. Oh, what is Spock? Vul- Vulcans. V- yes.
0: Spock is a Vulcan. Yep. So, so yeah, it's, it Vulcans have the ability to learn how to do that. And Kirk will often say something like, you're going to have to teach me that. And Spock will usually say, I've tried. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's a, it's a running gag also is that no, sorry, only Spock gets that. Right. Um, the other thing that you got to see him do was was a little bit telepathy going on. And this was a little different than what he normally does. He has the ability to do something called mind melding. And what happens is he touches the face of somebody mm-hmm. and then kind of reaches into somebody's mind and and they share thoughts and consciousness. So this is a variation of it where he's trying to project a thought through that wall. They only use this one – It's it's a it's – a, incredible power, which I think if they had really used it a lot, it would kind of make the Vulcans a little, a little too powerful. Powerful. Yeah. They do explore that, that technique one more time. In an episode called By Any Other Name, mm-hmm. uh, also my favorite episode, <laughs> one that I totally love. Um, And in By Any Other Name, he attempts to do the same thing, to reach through the door to the guard, to give him the impression that they have escaped. And it does not go well for Spock. It's a different kind of alien, and it does not go well. And that may be why he says, I'm not doing that again. Uh
1: that that makes a lot of sense, actually.
0: But as far as the mind meld goes, they will use that and you'll get to see that in a, in a couple of episodes. Um, you'll get to see that technique. Um, it's a sharing of information. It's a different way of communicating, and it's really totally cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, Spock, you're you're really starting to dig the Spock character, huh?
1: Very much, yeah. Well, what about, okay, If let's just compare Captain Kirk in the original series to Captain Kirk in the new movies. Kirk and Spock and Scotty and actually all of the characters seem to be more mature. And I don't know if that's because the actors are actually older and they cast younger now, just in general. Or if that's me looking at the style of it and thinking... The style of it is so very old that I think that these characters and the actors themselves are older and more mature.
0: Maybe you're getting older.
1: Oh, no. That can't be it. I don't think that's it.
0: <laughs> no, that's not it. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't even know why I would say why that. Why
1: would you ever? Sorry. That
0: was, that was... I...
1: The actors themselves, are they younger when they start out? Like, the new Spock looks way younger than original Spock.
0: Um... Maybe it's because I'm older now myself, but Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, the 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 new movies crew sure does seem younger, less mature, less together. Now, that could be character, that could be just the style. There's a maturity, there's a there's a what's the word? There's a there's a there's, there's kind of like a responsibility behind these characters on the show, on the TV series, to me. Like, like I get the feeling that they're actually doing it.
1: It isn't even corresponding naturally with age, because I thought the same exact thing of Star Wars. And Princess Leia always seemed insanely mature. Yes. And you look at her, and she's – was she something like 18?
0: I, I don't think she was 18, but she was I, – I, I don't she know exactly very... how old she was, but she was young. She was and every she... bit as young as – sure, yeah. I, right. I I don't think that that changed – but you're right. Princess Leia had a level of maturity that, that – You know what
1: it is? It's gravitas. It's not old. It's the weight in their own bodies and the Captain Kirk – Giving orders, like he's very comfortable in his skin giving orders and completely expects them to be followed.
0: You get a sense that this is a a whole complete person when you look at William Shatner's Captain Kirk. You kind of get what you need to follow the space adventure with Chris Pine. And it's interesting because a lot of people look at some of the some of these original Star Treks and they kind of make fun of William Shatner's acting. I think William Shatner's a fantastic actor in a lot of this. You know, I'm tainted. I'm biased.
1: <laughs> and I'm only two episodes in. So
0: and you're only two episodes in, so you don't know.
1: His acting hasn't bothered me in any way. I know I've heard people the the stall <laughs> the halting like I'm doing right now only purposeful the the halting speech uh i haven't heard that from captain kirk yet but maybe this is because maybe this is one of those things that people have been watching you for 40 years they're gonna find that one thing that you do that you had no intention of actually doing i mean that's a long time to watch the same thing over and over it's like listening to the same song you're gonna hear that one note or whatever
0: yeah well, and you actually did hear it. Um, he does <laughs> – this is one of my favorite parts of this episode. I call it <laughs> the Kirk speech. And he does these occasionally, not at the end of every episode, but certainly he did it at the end. You know, the whole death, disease, war, you know, famine. That's what war is and on. That's what makes it a thing to be avoided. You know, that beautiful speech that he gives where he basically is teaching us everybody – this is what the message is, folks. Uh, and I think that this is one of my, my favorites. And there's a lot of dramatic pauses during that speech. Yes. And when you overdo it, like I am right now, it kind of gets a little mocky and we, and you know, over time, it's, it's a term of endearment. You know, I mean, we could say what we want about William Shatner, but we all love what he, he created the first, really the first captain for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. He was the man that, that created the model.
1: He was the model of guts and glory paired with thoughtful peace wanting with a other half standing next to him that was fully rational and only logic and i think that that is incredibly interesting and i i think that that's probably if you started to watch the show for another reason that would be what kept you watching the show
0: maybe right there's something really nice about the dynamic that Kirk is starting to develop, and you got to see it both with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: in this episode, and a little bit in the last episode in the Corbomite Maneuver, where he did things like he asked, "Why?" You know, where, where Spock said, "Why do you continue to ask me for advice when you already know what you're going to do?" Think, you know, little little jibes like that. Mm-hmm. But really, in the last episode, you saw the heart side of kirk in his relationship with mccoy with the doctor Mm -hmm. and this time you got to see the brain side of the relationship with him and spock those three will become a triangle through this entire show that you'll you'll start to see the heart the brain and the and the command you know the 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 thing that pulls it all together Sure. Um,
1: I also got to see Scotty say, "The Haggis is in the fire for sure."
0: Is that not one of the coolest lines ever?
1: Yes, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. So that is—you know, <laughs> you get your
0: favorite line each episode. Mm-hmm. That is certainly one of mine. What is it the Haggis is in the fire for sure?
1: Uh, what are the odds that an accent is going to survive in a future version of Earth being all mixed up and everything? But I love that they have done that. Mm-hmm. That it's it's a representation. Speaking of representation, yet again, there was like one line from Uhura. However, we did have the sexy alien lady straight off the bat. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about Maya 3. Let's talk about her and what she was as a character. I am mm-hmm. dying to hear, and you're right. Uhura doesn't get much in this. She's we got we got some stuff coming up in the next episode. Yeah, I just um
1: I want her to be the like the a part of the triangle. That's awesome.
0: She she will get her and, and we we'll, when we talk a little bit. Uh, I want to wait a couple of episodes so that you get to see some stuff with her featured in it. It's coming. Okay. Um, cool. and then we'll talk a little bit about her about Nichelle Nichols, the woman that played Uhura, and some of her journey through Star Trek. Uh, she had a very it has had a very interesting journey. She is like the queen of Star Trek for us now. She walks around that convention and we all just pay homage.
1: That's awesome. Maya 3. Maya 3.
0: I want to know, what did you think of her as a character?
1: I thought that she was very pretty. Mm-hmm. I thought that she was very sweet. And I was surprised that her sweetness didn't come off entirely Like, naivety, because she does say later on that this is something she very much believes in. She doesn't want the city destroyed. She doesn't want to go through plagues and famines and and smoke rising and ashes. Like, just, she would rather go to that disintegration chamber and let it happen. There could have been more fear, especially as, like, the captain grabs her and shoves her along and some of the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh I really liked her outfit. I kind of want whatever that half tunic cute.
0: That that is a very thing. nice little
1: really yeah cute. that was a
0: very nice thing she was wearing.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: After the conversation we had about the Corbomite maneuver, I really, you know, it was it, because I've got these first few episodes kind of like in a particular order because they introduce certain elements a piece at a time, and you get to meet the characters. Um, but I really looked at this episode to see if there was because there was such an underrepresentation of the female characters in in a, the Corbinite maneuver. I was looking for it here, and you're right, Uhura isn't much in this episode. Uh, but who is in this episode a lot is Mia three, and I was looking for is she just eye candy? Or is she a part of the story? And there were two elements to the story that I thought were, were, she was so, such a significant part of. The first was she was the representation of just how much these people believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. She believed it so much that she was willing to die for it. Mm -hmm. And so she, it's something that, that Kirk and the rest of the, the crew needed to see. They needed to actually see. This is what these people are really willing to do. And she was arguing. No, I have to go. Don't worry about me. Right. She in her mind, she was already dead. In her mind, it was over. And
1: she fought for that too, saying, I am scared. I value my life. I don't want to do this. I'm going to.
0: Mm-hmm. So so I, I I think that was a real important story point that she gets to deliver. And then the second, which I just love, she's the one that believes Kirk. She's the first one that has hope that yeah. something else is possible. And I really like that moment with her where he said where she says what are you going to what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And he says I'm going to try and stop the killing. And she looks at him and there's this nice long pause. You don't get these pauses in TV today. It's just it takes too much time, right? Mm-hmm. But you get this long pause where she looks at him and looks at him and then she says I believe you. Yep. That moment where she's representing the hope of Eminiar, of that planet. Mm-hmm. And I really like those two moments for her. And I wanted to make sure that I brought those up in our conversation.
1: I think she, there, she was definitely a little bit of eye candy, but I'm glad that's not all she was. Oh, she's a beautiful lady. <sighs> Absolutely. Uh, you, you are rarely
0: going to find a, a, a guest star that a guest female, especially that isn't going to be pretty. I wouldn't, I would
1: never expect to. (laughs) I was really happy. uh, Maybe it's a thing of time. So if this was a movie instead of a TV show, would they have slept together? But I like that so far, there's not a whole lot of sexual tension Mm -hmm. in the crew and maybe I just haven't seen it yet, in the crew or in the stories of the aliens, uh, I have a feeling that there's going to be more kisses and things like that coming up. But it hasn't happened so far, and the stories aren't lacking because of it, I don't think.
0: So, so far, nobody has been killed. Right. In either of these Mm -hmm. episodes. Nobody has taken a shot at a person, and nobody has engaged in any kind of sexual or romantic activities, and you're saying that it's still interesting and you're still finding value?
1: Shocking, right? Huh. I think we would prove all of the market research wrong. Just me and you right here. <laughs>
0: and you weren't born in the 1950s.
1: It's amazing, right?
0: How about that?
1: How about that? <laughs>
0: it, it really is a testament to what good storytelling and good characters are. It, you you hit the nail on the head. If you if you present a great story that that holds your interest mm-hmm. and you tell it with characters that are believable mm-hmm. and and that have authenticity to them that's that's what you need. You don't need you don't even need the best special effects in the world.
1: No, I'm fine with puppets. Uh If you can get a main character to interact with a puppet, I'm totally, I'll believe that puppet's real. I will.
0: There you go. And, yeah. and and even one of the things that happened. So at the end of this episode, when when Spock is looking at all the different computers and, you know, he kind of goes through this one's attack, this one's defense, this one is the casualties. This one is the key. If you destroy this one. Right. They'll all go. And then, of course, you know, Kirk uses his phaser. The one time he uses his actual phaser is to destroy the computer. I don't think that if you blow up a computer on a network that all the computers on the network blow up. Right. So what? The story element there was he screws up their their computer system so right. it doesn't work. Right. It, it's, it's, it's a little hokey for the times. Mm-hmm. Did that matter to you at all?
1: No. If Spock says, here's the link in the computer chain that will destroy the rest of it, I believe Spock. I will say there was another technology thing that did kind of rub me the wrong way. Oh, yeah? It was the moment that Kirk is being imitated. Kirk's voice is being imitated by uh, the head of the.
0: By a non seven.
1: A non seven, thank mm-hmm. you. That Scotty has to go and ask the computer, now, was that really Captain Kirk? If you have a machine that is able to detect that, why wouldn't you immediately follow that with the machine saying, also, we noticed that with 98% chance that was not actually Captain Kirk?
0: I love this point. So so I actually noticed this yesterday when I watched this episode. Same thing. I noticed, the, well, here's what I noticed about it it's a fake message from Anon7 that we have to discover is fake. And that's what actually happens in the story. The way that it's played out is mm-hmm. you actually see him speaking, but it sounds like Kirk, right. which is weird. And then Scotty has to ask the computer afterward, Hey, was that really the captain? Only to find out, no, mm-hmm. that wasn't really the captain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the, the computer's not going to say anything to him. Really? So I, so all, so that's, that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Here's a moment where the technology on Star Trek exceeded right. the time right. that it was filmed in. Yes. And we have exceeded that technology since. So Roddenberry was really clever in saying, you know, I'll bet we could fake a voice. Mm -hmm. So we'll have him fake a voice. And that's what they came up with to make it look like that. And everybody had said back in the 60s probably said, oh, cool. Yes. And now we look at that and it's like we got filters on our phones. I can sound like Darth Vader if I want to. Well, and that's exactly what Anon7 does to Scotty. Yeah. He is faking a message. Mm-hmm. To, he's spamming Scotty. He's faking a message saying, I'm really this. You should do that so that everything will be fine. And if Scotty does that, he's going to be in big trouble. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. He's, he got spammed.
1: <laughs> he, yeah, he did. Totally.
0: And they didn't think to put in a spam filter on the Enterprise. They just didn't see it coming. And then one of the other things, this is a trope in Star Trek. It is one of the things that shows up throughout virtually every series. When an ambassador.
1: Oh, the ambassador. We didn't talk about him at all yet.
0: When an ambassador or an admiral shows up, expect trouble. (laughs) ambassadors and admirals are a royal pain in the side of every star trek fan and anybody that you're rooting for on star trek um you'll see more
1: (laughs) but do they always have the change of heart at the end like this guy was pretty open once he was almost thrown in the disintegrator
0: not always no, not always.
1: Yeah, he changes his tune real quick. He,
0: he, I love that moment for him. He was one step away from being shoved into that disintegration chamber. He was one step away when Spock saved
1: him. And just as appalled as all of the docile creatures who were about to go into that, he was like, what? I cannot believe that you would do this to me. Right.
0: <laughs> well, there, yeah.
1: He was obnoxious and overreaching. In his authority.
0: He was, right?
1: Yes. It's, he's he's that guy. Or you're just like, well, we're not going to shoot you, but everybody wants to.
0: You would think an ambassador would know how to talk to people, would know how to like try and create compromise. But...
1: Well, he sure does plug his resume at the very end when he's asked to do it between those two countries, planets that are at war. He's like, I have a little bit of experience in this. Hmm. That's what he sounded like to me, at least.
0: <laughs> what if there is no Vendicar? I mean, they haven't talked to them for 500 years? Really? What if there is no Vendicar?
1: <gasps> right? It's just the pre-programmed responses to their responses? What if somebody knew this and had done it strictly as a population control?
0: We really don't know. Anything about what's happening between those two planets, or even if that other planet exists, you know, it's been 500 years.
1: I mean, the what-ifs abound, because nobody's talking to anybody, but that would be amazing. Okay, I think I would give this episode three out of five disintegration chambers. (laughs) It was not my favorite, and I think that they could do better. Got it! But it was pretty good. I'm not going to give it, like, one. It was pretty good.
0: I got so three out of five disintegration chambers. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, um, one of my favorite elements of the show is the Kirk speech at the end where he, you know, gives us that dramatic speech telling us all, if, if you missed it, folks, here was the message. So, um, for those of you that would like to see a couple of more Kirk speeches, ones that we're not going to see during our Uh, beginning the track. If you want to go and see them, an episode called The Omega Glory. Now, it's a hard episode to get through a lot of it, but the Kirk speech is awesome at the end of that episode. (laughs) And uh, another great one uh, that you might want to go see is Return to Tomorrow. Also, a good Kirk speech right in the middle there where he talks about uh, why are we in space? What are we doing out here? Uh, really a fun Kirk speech. So there's my recommendations for outside of our um, 52, if you want to check out a little bit more track. But for those of you that are continuing our track. Lay it on me. What are we watching? Third episode in our series, uh, which will be the Naked time.
1: The Naked Time is this still in season one?
0: This is still in season one. Okay. It, it was the fourth episode aired, but it's going to be listed probably as the fifth episode on things like Netflix, maybe Hulu, some of the others. Okay. Just check. You're looking for an episode called The Naked Time. Now. Now. This is this is a G-rated episode. Oh. Or PG at, PG at worst. <laughs> so so the kids can watch. It's not as naked as naked. But it gets a little naked.
1: I'm excited. Does it get more naked than the first time I actually saw Captain Kirk? Because he was working out and it was pretty sweaty up it in there.
0: It doesn't get more naked, but
1: <laughs> it gets
0: naked with other people the same way. All right. You'll see.
1: I'm excited. My my guess without knowing a single thing at all is that like people end up with a virus that makes them really hot and so all the guys take off their shirts. That's my prediction.
0: i'm gonna go ahead and just let you watch the episode and we'll we'll play that that prediction back and see how close you are
1: (laughs) all right (laughs) we should we should be like here's what jessica predicted
0: this is what (laughs) jessica predicted and this is what actually happened
1: that That would be kind of fun it might be Mm mm-hmm
0: so so what did you say? You said that a virus is going to make people take their shirts off.
1: Yes, a virus is going to make all of the guys hot on the ship, and they're going to take their shirts off.
0: All right. We'll see if that's what happens in the <laughs> next episode. The Naked Time. We'll see if the that's what time. happens. Uh, let's get your Twitter stuff out there so people can find out what they're, what you're – Oh, for goodness sake. Talk, to, talk Twitter.
1: <laughs> I'll be tweeting out first impressions as I watch Naked Time on the 24th. That's Sunday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time at begin the trek so follow along
0: there you go that was okay for those of you that i do twitter like so rarely i'm the old guy in this show i'm the one that's not supposed to know twitter it's a good thing i understand facebook
1: well it's fun because we're just starting to get uh a little bit of traction there so i i'm excited to have more trekkies interact on there i figured i'm the only one talking well i'm not the only one talking about i'm the only one starting the original series (laughs)
0: <laughs> that. Okay, and I think it's awesome. I think that this will be a lot of fun to to, to get out there. We've got a Facebook page, too, at Beginning the Trek, uh, or just search Beginning the Trek, and you'll find us on there. Please like us.
1: Oh, and since we're just barely getting going, I might as well send out, if you like this, rate us on iTunes. That helps a huge amount.
0: Oh, definitely. We would love to hear your comments if there's something that uh, that we're doing well. And if there's something we're not doing well, let us know that too because we want to present something great. Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: Are you having fun? You Very much. This was uh- – I'm having a lot of fun. This is good. Watching these is, uh, it is fun. This one was maybe a little too cerebral, but I enjoyed it.
0: There you go. So the naked, oh, the naked time is, yeah.
1: It doesn't sound very cerebral from your smile. Does it have backstory? Because I like that too. I want to know where all these people came from. That's great.
0: Okay, so here's the, here's the thing. You'll get a little bit of backstory about some of them, but what you'll really get is motivations, who they are, okay. who they are as people.
1: Oh, good, I, good.
0: Yeah, I mean, without getting too deep in into it, yeah, put it. I'm putting That's a it. pin in it, but That's, yeah, this this a is a very it. character episode. But let me tell you what I'm loving. Okay last week when we did our recording and you were surprised legitimately surprised by how it ended and and even when i edited it and i got to listen to that conversation again right i'm reliving this in a way that i did not expect i have not been surprised by baylock since the 1970s okay when i first saw him he just doesn't surprise me anymore I'm expecting you know that being able to listen to you be genuinely surprised was like like I really felt like I was going through it Right. this week I really felt like I was going through it and exploring and it's got me watching it with more intensity and I'm seeing things I never saw so I just really want to like I am getting so much more out of this and I wanted to thank you
1: oh that's good yeah thank you You're welcome. I I like being introduced to this and it's fun that it goes both ways yeah it is it's good cool
0: um you go watch the naked time all right I'll go watch the naked time and uh, I will talk to you about the naked time next week
1: all right bye bye It's really hard not to respond to the naked time and be like, we'll go do some naked time. I'm like, I can't say that. That's, no, I can't. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Consummate professionals, that's what we are.